Welcome to the podcast from Church of the Nazarene. Please subscribe to this podcast for the latest updates and new episodes. And you can also search for the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. We also invite you to join us each Sunday morning at 9 on our YouTube channel or Facebook Live. You can also join us in person at 9 or 1030 for our English services or 1145 for our Spanish service. We also invite you to join Celebrate Recovery every Monday night at 630. Thanks for listening. I want you to imagine, uh, imagine the scene with me. Jesus. Jesus is gathering with his disciples. These 12 men, these 12 apprentices really have followed him, have walked with him closely. They have seen, they've had a front row seat to the life, to the ministry, to the teachings of the Son of God. They were there. They were there when he opened the eyes of the blind man. They saw him. They saw him cast out demons. He changed water to wine. They were there the day that he took a a small boy's lunch, some loaves and some fish, and he fed thousands and thousands of people. They were there. And now, and now they gather. They've gathered many times around a table. They've shared many meals together, but this one is different. They, They didn't know it, but Jesus did. Because Jesus knew this would be the last time they would gather. This would be the last time that they would gather in this way because Jesus knew that the cross was coming. Just just over the horizon, he knew that the reason he came, the reason he had come to this earth, that the cross was going to become his reality. And so Jesus knew that this would be the last time that they would gather. And so as they sat around the table reclining during and after the meal. Jesus did something shocking yet incredibly profound. He took the basin of water. He he took off his outer cloak and he wrapped a towel around himself and he filled the basin with water. And then, Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of the world, knelt down and he began to wash their feet. Now, foot washing, uh, to us, it may not seem like much, but, but in a first century Judeo culture, foot washing was a big deal. It was a big deal for hygiene purposes. Your feet were dirty. You walked everywhere. Your sandals, your feet were filthy. So, so foot washing was kind of an important thing. But, but more than that, uh, before a meal, as you would enter into a home, foot washing was a sign of hospitality. It was a sign of welcome. That, that by washing your feet, it was a sign, hey, you're welcome here in my home. To Jews, it was even an outward sign of inward cleansing, an important part of being cleansed, washing of the feet. But, but this was a remedial, this, this is a task for the lowest of lows, the, the lowest servant, even the slave, right? That would be the one that would wash the feet. But, but on this night, the last gathering that they would have, there is no servant. Well, at least not the servant they would expect. And so Jesus 
pours the water into the basin, and he, he begins one by one around the table. Can you imagine it with me? Can you picture the scene as he kneels and begins to wash their feet? Can you picture, can you picture as he washes James and John, these brothers who, who were called the sons of thunder, because they had such raw temper. They wanted to breathe down fire on the pagan cities around them. James and John, the ones who, who just had asked Jesus that they could have the position of authority in his kingdom. Could we sit on your right and your left hand side in heaven? Jesus bends down and begins to wash their feet. Next, Matthew. Matthew, the tax collector, Matthew, who would have been hated among his peers, hated among the Jews, yet he had left everything, everything that he had to follow Jesus. Jesus bends down and washes his feet. We know Judas was there, don't we? Pick, come on, come on, picture this with me today. Jesus bowing low to wash the dirty, nasty feet of the man that will sell him out for a bag of silver, who will send him to the cross. A criminal's punishment. Jesus washes his feet too. Peter. Peter. We we hear very clearly the account as Jesus washes Peter. And Peter, he's watching this scene unfold. And he's watching Jesus come down the line. And when he gets to Peter, Peter says, no, 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 no. I can't allow this. I can't allow you to wash my feet. And Jesus says, unless I wash you, you can have no no part in me. In other words, Jesus wants him to see the importance of of this moment and of of this lasting moment, the final moment that they'll have gathered together with Jesus, the one that they had followed for years, a part of his public ministry. This is the lasting moment of Jesus, the Savior, but Jesus, the servant, washing their feet. You see, the problem... (laughs) The problem with this image, as profound as it is, is that as we fast forward 2,000 years later, the problem is this, is that if this is the image of Jesus, the servant, how is it possible today that 2,000 years later, those that would claim to follow Christ, those that would claim that that's my Savior, (laughs) yeah, the one that was there kneeling and washing feet, that's my Savior, that's my Lord, how is it now 2,000 years later? That the perception of those that would follow Christ is often very different than the image that we get of Jesus serving. We're in the midst of a series. It's called Your Unchurched Neighbor. And we're we're leaning into this idea of trying to understand our neighbors, the people around us that aren't like us, that don't believe what we believe, who, who are far from Christ. And as Pastor Billy mentioned just a couple weeks ago, a 21%, so one in five people that are unchurched, that are not believers in Christ, one in five admit to having a positive perception of Christians. So only one out of every five people that are not a part of the church have a positive perception of those within the church. And again, if this is who we follow, Jesus the servant, why is it now 2,000 years later that the words that are often used to describe Christians... Jesus' followers are words like judgmental and detached and selfish and not really interested in others. How, how can this be if the one that we follow is, is Jesus, the servant? 
Today, you may say, well, I haven't done anything to feed into that perception. I haven't done anything to create that perception in my life. Yet, we have to understand that that perception is reality for many people who look at those that claim faith in Christ. So in our series, we're diving deep to try to understand how, if our mission as a church is to be transformed by God, to bring hope to others, how do we do that? How do we bring hope to others through Jesus Christ? How do, we, how do we reach those that are far from him? How do we reach those that have been hurt by the church? How do we reach those that want nothing to do with the name Jesus? How, how do we do that? And so we began uh, a couple weeks ago talking about understanding. That may not be the first step in your mind. That may not be exactly what you perceive of in this journey, but we're, we're learning something pretty powerful that you can't reach someone with whom you don't empathize and you can't empathize until you understand. And Jesus modeled that clearly in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. She was fully known by him, yet she was fully loved and it transformed her life. Because here's a man, here's a man who knew everything I've ever done. Here's, here's a man who truly understands me and yet he loves me. And so we begin this journey in seeking to understand, yes, even understand those that are very different than us, understand th those that believe something very different, understand those that, that maybe are hostile to the faith that we proclaim. Last week, we talked about praying, praying that uh, the message of the gospel, reaching others with the message of the gospel has always been a, a supernatural pursuit because of that prayer is essential because when we pray, powerful things happen. God works through prayers, but he doesn't just work through our prayers. God works in us as we pray. So it's, it's so important that we become men and women of prayer if we're serious, if we're serious about engaging those around us, if we're serious about hopeless people, if our hearts are broken for the things in their lives, then we must be men and women of prayer. And now this week, I want to talk to you about serving now, some of you are like, wait a second. When do we get to preaching? When do we get to proclaiming? When do we get to shouting? Yeah, yeah, okay, come back next week. We'll get to that. But, but don't miss the order here. Don't miss the journey that we're on because it's not by accident. That I, I want to I proclaim to you today the truth. Remember, Jesus blew the disciples' fuses, right? By stooping down and becoming the servant. And if that's the image of Jesus that we get 2,000 years later, that, that has to matter to us. That has to mean something to us. So, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to join me in John 13. I want to pick up the end of the story that we're, that we're uh, camped out in today. And so if you have your copy of Scripture, join me there. I think this will be beneficial for us as we remember what it is, what our call as believers to be the servant, the servant that Jesus was. Uh, the, the scene is unfolded in John 13, uh, much as the way I've tried to, to share it this morning. They've gathered uh, at the time of Passover. They've gathered, and the disciples don't realize this is the final meal, but Jesus does. And so he begins to wash their feet. And all I want to do today is I want to focus on verses 12 through 17, because I think this matters uh, to, to Jesus and his disciples, and I think it matters to us today. And so uh, turn with me as we look at, at John 13, verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes he returned to his place. Do you understand 
what I've done for you, he asked. I just want to pause there and recognize this is a really important question. This is a really important question then because the level of service that Jesus is asking of them is easily misunderstood, isn't it? Do you really understand? I just didn't want, it wasn't that you had dusty feet and your feet were smelling and we couldn't get to dessert and that's not it. Do you really understand what I've done for you? Do you really understand what this is about? And the reason I think that question matters is because I think that's the same question Jesus would ask of us today. If Jesus showed up and knelt down with the towel in the basin, he would look at each of us in the eye and say, do you really understand what I've done? Do you really understand what this is about? And so what does he do? He, he clarifies. He goes on uh, to, to show them exactly what he's talking about. Look at verse 13. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, and that's what I am. But now, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Jesus is making sure they understand this is not just a one-time event. This is not just a show. This is not just a feel-good moment that they can talk about years later. I'll remember that cool time. No, no, no. He's setting an example for them, an example that they're to follow. Verse 15, I have set you an example. You should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. In other words, Jesus is saying, I, I'm, I'm your teacher. I, I'm, the, I'm your rabbi. I, I have authority over you, and yet I served. I served you. My, my, my authority, my position did not get in the way of my sacrifice, of my service. And then don't miss verse 17. Now... Now that you know these things, Jesus said, you will be blessed if you do them. It's almost as if Jesus knew something about human nature. It's very true today. I think it was true 2,000 years ago. It's almost if Jesus knew that sometimes in our human finite brains, there's a difference between knowing something and actually doing it, right? <laughs> It's, it's true. There's a difference between just having the head knowledge and actually living it out. And so Jesus is saying, you know this. You know it because you've seen it. It's been demonstrated here in front of you. You know this, but now you'll be blessed if you do it. Don't just allow it to be head knowledge. Don't just allow it to be something that, that you know to be true, but then not live it out. Do. Do it. Act upon it. I had this thought this week. I wonder how many of us, because we've been in this journey, right, of seeking to understand, and we've been in this journey of praying. I wonder how many of us are looking, even praying for an opportunity when it comes to our neighbors, when it comes to those, man, there's some hopeless people in our lives. There's some people that are far from God. They want nothing to do with the church. They want nothing to do with faith. They've been hurt by the church. They've been disappointed by God. Whatever the reason is. And I wonder if some of us have been praying desperately for an opportunity, but not, not necessarily the right opportunity. What do I mean? Um, maybe, maybe I was thinking, um, maybe you've been praying for an opportunity to be right. Anybody here like to be right? Don't look around. That'd be a bad moment, right? So we all like to be right. We all do. Come on. Even the humble people that apologize, you like to be right. 
When you find out later that, that you were right and they were wrong, even if you don't admit it out loud, you do one of these. We all want to be right. And sometimes, when it comes to the people around you and discussing your faith or sharing what you believe, sometimes the opportunity you're praying for is really because you want to be right. You want to win. And so you're saying, oh man, I... When they bring it up this week, they're going to bring up that, and I'm ready. I've got, they're get, they got a punch, but i got a counter punch, and I'm going to show them. I'm going to throw it down, and I'm going to walk away, and they're going to be impressed. I'm going to be right. Or, or it goes something like this. Wait till they read my next social media post, because I'm going to blow their minds. They're going to, I mean, the gates of heaven are going to open up when they read that, and they're going to know that I'm right. I'm having a little bit of fun here, but, but honestly, sometimes... We're praying for an opportunity to win. We're praying for an opportunity to be right. I'll show them. But here's what I wonder. In the context of John chapter 13, I wonder if the moment, the opportunity we should be praying for is not not the opportunity to win, not the opportunity to be right, but the opportunity to serve. I'm actually confident I'm confident that if we would begin to pray, the Holy Spirit would open our eyes that he's already giving us opportunities to serve. He's already giving you opportunities with with people in your lives. You may not like that. They may not like you. You may feel like I don't have anything in common with them, but because you're praying and you're seeking the Lord and he is, he's revealing to you, he's showing you attitudes and things in your heart that don't please him. He's showing you, he's opening your eyes to the hurt and pain in their lives. And I'm confident that as you begin to pray, he'll begin to show you ways that you're called to serve and literally wash, maybe not literally, you know what I'm saying, wash their feet because that's, that's the image of Jesus that we get and that's, that's who we're called to be, servants. I, I wonder, as you pray, what opportunities the Lord may give you to serve your neighbor, to serve the one who really is hopeless, to serve the one who feels so distant from God and maybe from other people, to serve the one who feels like their, their life, their story doesn't have any hope. Hmm. I love uh, Hope Distributed. I love to talk about Hope Distributed because Hope Distributed is a huge part of how we accomplish our mission as a church. If you're not familiar, uh, Hope Distributed just, I'm bad at directions. I point all the time and Lauren's like, you're pointing the wrong way. But uh, right here on our property, uh, Hope Distributed uh, does ministry all week um, to literally 100 100 people every week, over 100 people come on and off our property and we go to them too uh, to to bring clothing and food and, and resources, distribute hope into our community. I love it. But you know one of, the, one of the things I love about Hope Distributed? I get the opportunity uh, at least once a month to get to be there, and it's one of my favorite times of the month, getting to serve. But you know what I love about Hope Distributed? I, we, here's what we don't do. <laughs> we don't line everybody up there and, and do people arrive an hour early, over an hour early to get clothes and food. They're desperate, right? And so they get there early, and they're lined up. Sometimes it's cold. Sometimes they're li- You know what we don't do? We don't line them up and say, now, before we open the doors, we've got good food inside today. Let me tell you, before we open the doors, I just need every single one of you. I need you to, to do you believe it? You don't believe in Christ? Well, you're going to go to the end of the line. You believe in Christ? You're getting, we, we don't do that. But here's what we do. Now, hear my heart in this, because this is important. Here's what we do. We find volunteers that love Jesus, <laughs> 
We find volunteers that understand They've been transformed by the Jesus who washes feet. And we get together, and here's what we do. We prepare, and all week people are packing boxes and getting ready. And, and here's what we do. Before we open the doors to the pantry, we gather together and we pray. And we say, God, there are people coming through this door today that desperately need hope. They need food, but they need hope. And I pray today that you would bless them. I pray today that you would open their eyes. I pray today that you would use us. And we pray, and we pray, and we, then we open the doors, and guess what we do? We get to give hugs and high fives. We get to help people restore dignity into a season of life that may feel very broken to them as they get to pick out their own food and pick out the things that we need. And we remember their names and we remember what's going on in their lives. Hey, how's your brother doing? I've been praying for them because we're invested in them. I remember John. John is one of my favorite people because on Thursdays when I'm there, I noticed John would kind of come in and his wife basically said, I'm going to do the shopping. You just stand there and look good. So he would kind of try to get out of the way and he didn't really know where to do. And so he noticed one of my jobs when I'm there, uh, I guess they think I'm strong or something. I help carry food to people's cars. And I love it because I get to talk to them for a few minutes, you know, and I get to help load. And I get to speak blessing over their life. I'm even trying to learn a couple languages so I can greet them and say some things, interact in their language. And, and John kind of noticed this. And after a couple months, he decided after talking to me a little bit and understanding a little bit more about Jesus, because we talked about that, he said, I'm not going to stand in there and wait on my wife to shop. I'm going to help you. So now John, who is coming to receive food, you know what he does? He helps me bring food out to the other cars until his wife's done shopping. I love that story because it's people that are impacted. They're so impacted by genuine love being poured out into their lives. And today, I'm here to tell you, there are people who know Jesus. They have hope in, in new life in Christ because of the ministry of hope distributed. It's not, it's not that. It's not that I'm saying, oh, don't, don't, don't share about your faith. No, I'm telling you to live out your faith first. And I promise you, as you do, there will be opportunities, as there are each and every time I'm at Hope Distributed to talk about Jesus. There's opportunities every single time as I live out, as I serve, as I wash feet. God gives me opportunities to share with my words too the good news of Jesus. You know what I also love? I love Kids Harbor. It's another ministry of our church that we love and it's down this hallway. Uh, many of you may not know, 175 kids each and every week come through the doors uh, of our church for uh, Kids Harbor. And you, you know the reason we didn't start Kids Harbor? We didn't start Kids Harbor because we're like, well, we really want to be in the business of child care, you know? That seems like a lot of fun. It seems like a really good, you know, that will be really easy. No, no, that's not it. We started Kids Harbor because each and every week, we get to open our doors and people from our community and oftentimes families walk down that hall that are very broken and are very hurting and maybe they want nothing to do with the church but they heard we got a good program here and so they register their kids and so here's what we do we hire teachers that love Jesus we hire teachers that have been transformed by Christ and so each and every week some of the families they may not want anything to do with Jesus but they want their kids at Kids Harbor because they know they're going to be loved and we teach their kids about Jesus. And the families get to come and they get to experience little by little by little more and more about this Jesus. And there are families attending our church today. There are people whose lives have been transformed because of the ministry of Kids Harbor. Why? Because there are teachers. That they, 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 were, they were holding the towel in the basin and they were serving them. They were loving them sacrificially just like Jesus did. 
I actually believe as I talk about this today, I believe some of you know that that's true. I believe some of you know how important serving is because I believe some of you today, that's the reason you're here. The reason you're here today is because someone served you. Now, they told you some truth, too. They proclaimed truth. They showed, but but, but they, they served you in such a powerful way that it changed your life. That's true for me. That's true for me. For me, it was a, a goofy guy named Rolf. His picture's on the screen. Uh, Rolf liked the Muppet. If you don't know what the Muppets are, just watch it on YouTube, okay? Um, you're a lot younger than me. But, but Rolf, Rolf was a youth pastor, and I, I was in one of the more broken, this is his birthday last week, so he still looks like he could be a youth pastor. He's really young looking, but, but that's Rolf. And um, the truth is, Rolf served me. Uh, I was in one of the mo- most broken times of my life. I was in a time where I felt far from the Lord. I was in a time where I felt angry at the Lord. I was at, literally at a time in my life where I felt hopeless. And Rolf now, Rolf's a pastor, so he could have knocked on the door and he could have started preaching at me, you know. He could have, when I was angry and just kind of yelling and telling him things, things that weren't really that nice about the Lord, he could have rebuked me, he could have reprimanded me, but instead, you know what Rolf did? He just listened. And he picked me up after school. And we got ice cream together. He welcomed me into his home. Let me share a meal and do a puzzle. He, he gave me a safe space to be disappointed and hurt. Yeah, and maybe even a little bit angry at God. And as I look back on that moment, I may not have realized it then, but do you know what Rolf was doing in my life? He was washing my feet. He was serving me. I promise you I would not be here today if it wasn't for Rolf. The question today, the question today is, who, who is the Adrian in your life? Who is the person? It starts with just one, isn't it? That if you pray, the Lord's going to give you an opportunity to serve. He's going to give you an opportunity to wash feet, and that's not real fun, is it? It's not real glamorous all the time. It doesn't come with a lot of fanfare. But I promise you, as you pray and as you serve, the Lord's going to work. There's a, the, the bottom line I want to share with you today is this. God works as we serve. God works as we serve. As we serve, God works in us. We talk about that all the time here. That's why we believe in serving. That's why it's part of growing as a disciple in Christ. Because when, when you serve, something happens in you. God works in you. But, but as you serve others, God works through your life in ways that you can't even ask or think or imagine or comprehend as you begin to serve. Maybe your next opportunity to serve is God's next opportunity his next door that he wants to open. So today, who, who is the one that he's calling you to serve? The band is going to come, and I'm going to spend a moment praying uh, with you. Uh, w- would you join me now, church? Would you just stand for a minute? We're going to spend a few moments praying together, uh, uh, spend a few moments singing uh, this song. But I want to ask you as you stand, would you just bow your heads with me? 
Because I believe God's presence is here with us. I believe the power of his Holy Spirit is here with us. I believe that he's speaking right now to some people in this room. He's opening our eyes to opportunities. He's maybe convicting us of some pride in our lives that has kept us on the sidelines for far too long. And he's inviting us to serve someone who desperately needs the hope of Jesus. And so, church family, I'm going to invite you now with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. Who's that one? Who's that one today? Don't don't put it off for tomorrow. Don't say, I'll think about it next week. Who's the one today? The Lord will show you who's the one. And you're not praying for an opportunity to win. You're not praying for an opportunity to be right. You're praying, say, God, give me an opportunity to serve them well, to believe that as I serve them, you're going to work, and you're going to give me more opportunities to live out what I believe, and then, oh, you're going to give me an opportunity to tell them. But I'm willing, Lord. I'm willing today. Would you pray that prayer with me? God, I'm willing. I'm willing to wash feet. You did it, Jesus. The Son of God, the Savior of the world, you washed feet, so I'll do it too. Who is it today you're calling me to serve? What is it today you're asking me to do? God, I'll do it. I'll do it because I want people that are lost and broken and hurting to find you. I'll do it because I care too much about people in my life that are far from you. I care about them too much to be unwilling to be the servant. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, today, if there's someone the Lord has just brought to mind, would you join me for a minute? We're going to pray, but would you just join me in just lifting a hand? We, we did this uh, last week a bit, and I just think it's important and powerful that we uh, identify. And so that's you. Right, right now, if there's one person in your life and you feel like the Lord's saying, I'm going to serve, would you just join me now as we pray and just lift in your hand? By doing that, you're just saying, God, God I'm listening. God, I'm going to obey you. I'm not going to just know that this is true. I'm going to act upon it. I don't know what you're calling me to do, but I know you're calling me to serve. And today, there's at least one person in my life. I know God. I know God. You're calling me to serve them. If that's you, would you just join us and lift in your hand? I want to pray now, but I want us to pray specifically. I want us to pray specifically for those represented by a hand. Now, God, you see us today and you know where we're at and you know our hearts. And you know, God, that today our neighborhoods and our schools and our workplaces are filled with people that are far from you and that are lost and hurting and broken. And God, you're calling us to be the servant of all. That's what Jesus said, the servant of all. And today you're calling us to serve. And so for those of us today lifting a hand, we're saying yes to you, but we're saying yes to one. I'll start with one, God. I I can't do everything, God, but I will obey you with one opportunity. So God, today, we trust you and we hear your voice and we say yes to you. Church family, let's, let's remain just standing with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I love the message of this song. It's a beautiful prayer that just says, God, I will make room for you to do whatever you want. I believe this is a beautiful prayer as we reflect on these words today from Jesus. Let's pray. Let's worship. Thank you so much for listening today. Go ahead and subscribe to our channel for updates and new episodes. 
And if you have any questions about our church or ministries, go ahead and email us at info at cotnaz.org.